you're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. Oh man, uh, good day already, right? Good day, worshiping the Lord. Uh, hopefully he's continuing to change your life, change the mind. And uh, we're in our Renovate series. We're going to pick right up and, and go because um, uh, got a decent amount to share with you all this morning. Some kids on Saturday mornings grew up watching cartoons. And my sister and I, my twin sister and I, we, we did to some point. But growing up in our house, we didn't have this wonderful thing called cable we had these like antenna things and you had to push just right around the TV to, to get some channels. I think we got like five or six channels. And one of those channels was PBS. And we only had one TV in the house and it was in our kitchen. And so you pretty much watched whatever everyone had to agree on to watch. I know this sounds very 1960 or something, but this is the house I grew up in. And, and on, that, on, that, on Saturday mornings, this program came on. And I'll never forget it. It was called This Old House. And some kids grew up watching cartoons. Me and my family, we, we put on This Old House um, with Bob Vila. You guys remember that? Norm Abram, right? And this is 20 years before HDTV even aired, by the way. PBS was doing this out of Stanford, Connecticut, kind of taking old things, renovating them, and making them new. It was called This Old House. It's a great show. Man, I've got to confess something today because... Unintentionally, this renovate series was, was planned, and this is hitting way too close to home for me because we're getting ready, or I say we, my wife is very much getting ready on the inside for baby number two, but all the outside stuff, man, I've been busy, busy, and it's almost like, really, God, you're going to be kidding, we're doing a renovate series, and I'm having, like, we're, we're moving furniture, I'm, I'm take, taking, changing our electrical in our house. Um, for like the outlets of painting and all this kind of stuff. It's just like, I, I feel like I'm renovating all over again. And so it's just, it's too real for me. Maybe it's a little real for you. She sent me a text yesterday. She's like, 45 days. And I'm like, 40, 45 days. Uh, we're down to days now? Jeez. Um, and that's if it comes, you know, on time or whatever, October 8th-ish. So anyway, we've been um, in this series. We, we, we set it up. Because if our house, or if our body, our spiritual lives, is a house, we probably need to do some inside fixing. And if you and I think that we're the ones who can be in charge of the fixing, we're wrong. It's God who can do the fixing inside us. It's God who does the renovations in our lives. And so we've kind of moved through our house, if you will, over the past couple of weeks. And the first place we, we renovated was our kitchen. Because that's obviously very, very important. It's obviously the, and in any house, the kitchen is like the heart of the home. Life happens in the kitchen. Food happens in the kitchen. And if you and I aren't careful, we're not preparing a meal for God in our lives. We're inviting Him to a microwave feast of 30 seconds of prayer here or 10 minutes of Bible reading that week. And maybe that's all we're setting aside for God and if we're really going to let God renovate our lives, we need to be preparing a table to invite the King of Kings and Lord of Lords over into our house for dinner. And it's a mindset change. We've also renovated our family room or living room last week. We talked about that. For some of you, it's a family room. We need to give God, we call, talk about refrigerator rights, right? People who just come into your house and they don't even have to ask you, can I have some barbecue lays? Where's the Dr. Pepper or whatever? Like they just go, they know where it is and they help themselves to it. And you're like, cool, hey, hey, bring me the, bring me the little uh, pigs in a blanket, whatever it is. Because they know where things are at in your house. And for some of us, we need to be allowing God to have refrigerator rights in our lives to be able to come in and have free reign and access to all the little different compartments of our life, to school, work, home, yes, even church. For some of us, we may have had to renovate our living room. And that's kind of the opposite of family room. A lot of houses today, they're not even built with living rooms because no one lives in them. They just have family rooms. And, and the history of the living room is this 
formal reception place to kind of show off all your fancy things like china and plates and other glasses that you actually don't, you're not allowed to use. They just sit there and look pretty and walk by, ooh, uh. Or someone's coming over, quick, turn on the light in the china cabinet. Why? It's, it's not important, but okay, now okay. If someone comes over in the living room, that's where the living happens. And for some of us, we need to remember that we are in our lives hosting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's majestic beyond our understanding, omnipotent beyond words, and yet He chooses to dwell with each one of us in our lives. How awesome is that? Yay. So today we're going to renovate maybe my favorite room, and it's the bathroom. Uh, I brought a few things to help me out today. Yes, because if you have a child, men, you know that's our only escape, right? I'm just going to go hang out there in a while, like, leave me alone. <laughs> what? I can't hear you. <laughs> just, you know. So I got, got a little hat, got a little renovation hat ready to go today. Like that, that's awesome. Yay. Ordered that myself because I wanted to. And uh, got this. I'm going to work on this today here. And you're laughing. I didn't go out and buy this stuff. This is my stuff. At least it'll tell you. It's not usually on a belt. It's actually usually in a few toolboxes. So we're in a renovate series, so I figured I'd be equipped to, to help us renovate. Right? So got a few things here in my belt. I figured I'd show it off. These, you know, these little 14-gauge little... Wire trimmers, they came in real handy doing electrical last week and even those pliers. Uh, got some things in here. Do both of these do the same thing? Yes, they do. They're... I'll give you more time. Front row. So, yes, these... one of these does the same. They, they both do the same thing. One is larger for larger jobs. One is smaller for smaller jobs. And for some of you today... Your job and your life might require a this or a this, but the problem is still there, right? He's fixing. All right, same thing with Phillips head and flat spread screwdrivers. Oh, what else do I have in here? A level, right? This is super handy. This is not the one I use. Mine is nice and at home. Oh, and a tape measure. These are super handy in case you need to... Okay, that's 21 inches. Cool. Um, hammer, super handy. Uh, gloves to protect yourself, and you may use work gloves if you ever do... Anything like that, but they're not these. These will really protect your hands. Um, these are the best gloves that money can buy right there. And so I just wanted to, to throw those out. Um, and I'm, I'm actually a, a little bit handy, I think, by myself. I try to, I've learned some things over the past two church renovations. Hopefully Preston or, or Mike or anybody else would, would vouch me in that. Um, I'm a little bit handy. I've learned some things. But we're going to renovate the bathroom today. And uh, it's not going to be pretty. Because, honestly, this is probably our least favorite room to actually renovate, right? Because it's the bathroom. It's like there's yucky, icky things that happen in bathrooms. But it's a very, very important room, isn't it? Because you can't really get clean if the shower's nasty. And second only to the kitchen, this is actually where a homeowner will recoup the greatest resale value in their home. So just behind the kitchen, if you renovate a bathroom... 50% or more of what you invest will actually be able to gain in resale value in a bathroom. There are four common bathroom renovations problems. I figured I'd share it with you because we are renovating our bathroom. But again, I don't want you just thinking of like your own personal house. I want you thinking of this personal house. The number one problem in any bathroom is mold. Black mold can live inside your drywall. Or behind your walls. It just feeds off of this stuff and, and can survive in there. And the only way to check out, actually, if you have mold is, guess what? <laughs> yeah, open the wall up. Tear it out, right? And if you do, and you do have black mold, you've got to be very careful because then you have to hire a, a mold remediation company to come out because those spores can then spread into the entire rest of your house, ruin it all. Or as my mom says, ruin it. Ruin it all. The number two problem in a bathroom, or why you might want to renovate a bathroom, this is, I'm going to do this, this is a nice hip spot, is plumbing problems. Well, duh, obviously, it's plumbing problems. Knocking or loose pipes in the walls, leaky faucets, 
had a call Preston about a year and a half ago. You probably remember exactly what I'm talking about. You're laughing because I had a friend stay over at our house, and he did a great job of, of breaking our sh- shower knobs. And so I went in there the next time to use it, and, psh, and it, the, the thing on the wall, the turning knob shot off, and there's just water. This is a jet just spraying out. I had to go outside the house and turn the water off of the house, and then I made my phone a friend, and I called Preston. So plumbing problems are obviously very big in a bathroom renovation. Uh, number three, bathroom drain issues. So maybe you have water coming in, but it's not going out. And it's just kind of pooling up, maybe way, way too much. And clogging water or staining water can be a sign of just needing some Drano or a pipe snake. Or it could be the sign that your drainage is much worse and the water's not actually even going where it should be. Number four problem in a bathroom renovation is improper venting. And there's bad or no venting of the bathroom. There should be a vent in probably any bathroom to help moisture and humidity so that the mold that we just talked about doesn't happen, especially if this bathroom is in the middle of the house. And if the problem is just a blocked vent or damaged fan, this is an easy fix. But in some cases, a bad builder has ignored any need for a bathroom vent and left the bathroom as an essentially closed system. That's what the people in our house did. Uh, whoever built it, there is no vent in our guest bathroom. Leave that there. <laughs> See, when something goes wrong in your house, you usually look for the culprit, right? Well, who, who did it? How did this get messed up? Why is this broken? All of a sudden, I just used this yesterday. The house isn't supposed to break on its own, right? I mean, is it the kid's fault for turning on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off the light sockets now? Now the lights don't work. Or is it the kid's fault for, for putting things down the toilet just to see if they would flush? Um, I'm like, that. my kid will never do that. Two days ago, I catch him in the kitchen just methodically emptying all of his toys into the garbage. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, okay, that's going to be my kid too, right? Is it, is, is it the kid's fault? Why did this break? Is, is it the wife's fault for shedding enough hair down the drain to make a small coat? Or is it the husband's fault for trying to fix something while actually he's breaking it worse, right? No, 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 honey, I, I got this. He's got YouTube up there. It's in German. And he's trying to just figure out what this, you know, doofy thing. I don't need directions. And he's actually just breaking it worse. Why is this stuff breaking in the first place? Because if you and I are honest, we're looking for someone else or something else to blame for the problems in here. We're talking about our house. And if there's no one around, then of course, yes, it has to be the builder's fault then. It's the builder's fault for not building up to code, for skipping corners, or not putting in the right hardware. And what this means for us spiritually is that we are always looking for someone else to blame our problems on. And it seems more so in this generation than any other is the absolute inability to take responsibility. Our culture has run out of other people to blame for their inadequacies, for the sin in their life. And we have turned to blaming the builder, which is, of course, God. Well, he, he must have miswired me when I was a baby. I was born this way. If he would have wanted me to live differently, if he would have wanted me to, to live to, to, to not steal or to not drink or to not lie or to not cheat or to not lust. If he would have wanted me to not have this bitterness in my heart, then he just wouldn't have built me this way. It's now the builder's problem. But every one of those excuses is not the way that God builds people. Psalm 139 reminds us that we are fearfully and, you know it, wonderfully made. We're not fearfully and sinfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in His image. In His image, there is no sin. And His Word tells us that the fruits of His Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the sinful things that we like to try to justify are in contradiction to that. There's one fixture that is in every single bathroom. We don't give it a lot of thought most of the time. It's just there. But if this object was the feature in any other room it would be awkward. You think I'm talking about a toilet? No. No, it's not the toilet. It's the mirror. It's the mirror. If your kitchen was full of mirrors, it would be awesome. 
narcissist, okay? It's the mirror. I want you to take a hard look into the mirror today. Because in this setting, in this place, in the presence of our church gathered together, in the midst of a holy and living God, there are no more places to hide today. No others to blame for your sin. There's no more excuses to make. There's no more places to run. The plumbing is backed up in your spiritual bathroom. And you need God to fix it in a big way. There is mold behind your walls that no one else can see. And you need God to renovate this old house. I was thinking about this. We got, I think to some point our, our theology is almost clogged or backed up like plumbing. Because we base it on a flawed system. We base it on how we see everyone else in the world work. Their acceptance of us is dependent on our performance, right? On, on our looks, on our attitude, on our lifestyle, of the similar interests or the things that we have in common. You know, if we do this thing, ooh, 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 they'll like us. And if I don't do this thing, they're going to reject us. And we let that influence how we perceive Jesus. And we have it backwards. Because deep down, I think, in every single one of us, we think to some level that if we change our lives, then Jesus will accept us. But the truth is that when we accept Jesus, then He changes our lives. We have the equation the wrong way around. The culture in America is trying its best in many ways to rip apart the fabric of the gospel message. They're focusing so hard on trying to define themselves by maybe an acronym, redefining gender roles and, or morality and saying what is right or wrong and saying, well, everything just makes you happy is okay to do so long as you just don't hurt anybody else. Because everyone just wants to feel accepted. Ever heard someone say or post on social media, I just want to be accepted for who I am? Ever heard that? Yeah, a couple people? Come on, be real. I just, I just want people to accept me for who I am. This is the way I am. I'm not going to change. Just accept me and everything that comes with me. Good, bad, or ugly. You just got to accept me. Here's the truth. Jesus has always accepted people. Jesus has always accepted people. Because we don't need to be finding our acceptance in our identity we should be finding acceptance in His identity. But often it seems that the churches in our country have done their best to let people forget that. They've, they've set up these invisible boundaries that essentially say that, well, well, this type of person isn't allowed in our church. Or no one with this problem can worship here. Or you can't be here listening to a message about Jesus as long as you come through these doors with that problem, with that sin, with that type of lifestyle. So I want to ask, who's welcome here? Everybody. The addicted are. The angry, the resentful, the gossip, the person who drinks too much is welcome here. Yes. The LGBTQ individual is welcome here. The prostitute is welcome here. The destitute is welcome here. The atheist, the person who doesn't understand God, and yes, if you are a passionate Christ follower, you too are welcome here. All of us have to deeply rely on Jesus to be the life-changing force in our lives. It's Jesus who changes us. It's not we ourselves. And once we let Him in, He does what only He can do. And we see these lives, the people who came in broken, transformed. We see the addicted here become free. The angry become peaceful. The resentful seek resolution. The gossip learn how to speak in love. The person who drinks too much finds balance and moderation. The LGBTQ person finds a new identity to define their lives with. The prostitute finds self-worth. The destitute finds stability. The atheists find that God is in fact real. And the one who doesn't understand God learns more. And the passionate Christ follower is fueled in your faith. 
This is a place of healing, of surrender, of a renovation in progress all the time. It's like we should permanently have a sign displayed in our lobby as people come in that says, pardon our dust. Lives are being transformed. Now, is, is any sin in your life a good thing? Of course not. But how dare we ever expect anyone to have those problems fixed before they come through our doors? A God-filled life isn't a prerequisite. It's a product of being welcomed in this place and finding acceptance in Jesus. Obviously, we recognize what sin is because the Word of God calls that out. And we try to only have people in leadership who are, who are trying to be models of what a Christ-filled lifestyle looks like. Otherwise, it would just be the blind leading the blind. But let's get one thing clear. Everyone is welcome here. Everyone needs a place to find Jesus, a place to see what love looks like, a place to hear about forgiveness and true acceptance, a place to learn about the good news and the victory of the cross. Everyone needs a place where Jesus can renovate their lives. And True Life Church always needs to be that place. And why are all these people welcome to be here? Because every single one of them, every single one of us, has one thing in common. Like, I'm good looking? No, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. You see, people are always struggling to find things that they have in common with other people. Because then it becomes a relationship or a rally cry. Well, we're, we're dating now. Why? Because we have this and this and this and this in common. And then, you know, two months later, it all changes. We're like, we're not together anymore. We don't have anything in common. Or we're all rejected because of this thing going on socially or culturally. And we're just going to rally behind that. We're going to stand on the corner with signs or march on the Capitol or whatever. Why? Because we have this in common. But there is one thing that every single one of us has in common today, in here and out there. You know what it is? We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. There's not a one of us who doesn't have that in common. And once we understand this, then you look outside of these doors, or within these doors even, and you realize, that, like, hey, the entire human race has this in common. And then everything makes sense in a brand new way, and it doesn't matter if they're tall or short, or rich or poor or young or old, or Mexican or white or black or Asian, whether or not they speak English or Spanish or Russian, whether they're rural or urban or suburban, or if they're Republican or Democrat, they all need Jesus. People are so worked up today about human rights when the biggest human right we should have is the right to know that Jesus can change our lives. Amen. And imagine if we let Him actually do that. Actually let Him change our lives on a massive scale. There would be no poverty. Because churches would be able to help everyone in need. Dream with me here. There would, there would be no orphans. Because people would be willing to take in strangers and care for them without $15,000 going to the state of Florida to adopt somebody. There would actually be people taking care of the widows and the outcasts. There would essentially be no hunger because churches everywhere would be sharing what they have and become centers for feeding people's stomachs as well as their souls. There probably wouldn't be any mass shootings because people following Christ wouldn't be drawn to that level of violence. People everywhere would be living out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why would they be living that out? Because those are byproducts of the Holy Spirit, which only knowing and walking with Jesus can give you. And so when we look out into our culture, where's the love? You Jesus. Where's the peace? Why is there so much strife? More Jesus. Why isn't someone being gentle? More Jesus. Why does this person not have enough self-control? More Jesus. 
It might sound unrealistic, that dream, that picture we painted of all of those things, but it's not impossible. A world like that that we just described might sound like heaven on earth, right? And you know what? That's exactly what it was supposed to be. And Jesus even taught us to pray for it. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Just the same. Heaven, come down. Heaven, be here. Be here now. God's will be done on earth just like in heaven. But that only happens when we recognize His will above ours. His name above our own that we're trying to make in our lives. His kingdom before our own gain. And His word is very plain about us not wanting to live in sin anymore. Because he knows what's on the other side. I'm going to read a whole bunch of scriptures. We're going to move. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is the renovations that should hopefully be happening in our lives if we're letting God do it. Sexual immorality, put it to death. Impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked. You used to be like that when you were living in them. But now you must put it all away. Be renovated. No more anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk come from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, uncircumcised or circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and, in, is, and in, is in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against you, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4-10. through 10. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 31. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment. Now we're afraid, because we know we've done something wrong. We're just existing in fear. And a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And what he means is like by the law of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, it didn't matter if you didn't accept the Ten Commandments or not. If you killed somebody and two or three people saw it, you're in trouble. It didn't matter if you accepted it or not. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? 
He's outraged the spirit of grace. For we know who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Who was it? The Lord. Yeah. And again, we know who said the Lord will judge his people. It was himself. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Hey, what are we going to say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized also into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Two more. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Just one verse. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Your struggles aren't completely unique. Other people going through the same stuff. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And this is where people often misuse and misquote, well, God will give you more than you can handle. That's not in the Bible anywhere. I can speak for it. Sometimes it feels like God gives you a... Here. Here's every problem in two days. And it feels like that. Because that's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is that, hey, what? There's going to be opportunities for temptation. But if that happens, God's got the escape. Stop it. And we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11 and 18 through 20. Or do you not know that the, righteous will, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And let's stop right there. Like, this is a fun list. Because if you're honest, somewhere in that list, you've, you've fallen into that category. One of those. Multiples of those. Because you and I are flawed people. Who's left after that list? And he goes on and he clarifies that. And such were some of you. Are? No, were. Such were some of you. But you know what? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Verse 18. So flee from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? This house that you're working on, this house that you're living in, this is a, it's a dwelling place of the Most High God. Have, you, have we forgotten that, he's saying? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with that body. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Once you accept Jesus, if your life looks the same, then you haven't let him do what he came to do. You know what that is? To save you. Save you. 
To save you from an eternity in hell. To save you from the enemy. To save you from the temptations. To save you from your bad habits. And yes, to save you from yourself. You see, Jesus accepts us despite our sin. Not because of it. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus accepts us despite our sin, not because of it. And the world, and maybe some of you today, we often want to try to find a way to accept Jesus while still living the way we used to. While still living a sinful lifestyle, whether it's sexual orientation or alcohol or drugs or lying or whatever. And you know what? You can't do it. You can't do it. It's not possible. Jesus accepts us knowing that we are sinful, but when we accept Him, it's not Jesus who needs to change. It's us. Mankind has wanted to be able to have its cake and eat it too for forever, ever. We are fans of the conjunction and. Like we want to have this and that too. Like BOGOs are so big. If you buy one, get one and. Buy one, get and. And. Get this and get that. I got a funny story. My father-in-law, I love, love him dearly. He had a shopping list from his wife, my mother-in-law, one time. And he was going to the store and it was like a can of chicken soup or something like that. And it said BOGO. This dude is walking up and down the aisles of Publix looking for the brand called BOGO. Like, is it right next to the Campbell's or whatever? It's not there. So he comes home and there's no soup. And, and Louie's like, where's the soup? She's like, I couldn't find the BOGO brand. She's like, I pick it on him. I love him very much. But some of us, we, we love the and. We love the and conjunction. Can we have this and that? We want to work as little as possible and make a lot of money. Right? We want to work this much and make this much. We like the and. We want to live in sin and be on the right side of Jesus. And it's not possible. You know why? Because your life does not come down to an and situation. Your life comes down to an or situation. And essentially, it's this question. Did you allow Jesus to renovate your life? Did you allow Jesus to actually renovate your life? And you're like, well, my theology is pretty low. I'm just going to say it. I thought I had, all I had to do was accept Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Ouch. Yeah. There's a lot of people walking around this world today who are crying, Lord, Lord, when it suits them. There's not one bit of a renovated life inside. If our life is a house, many people have simply let Jesus in the door. But we're keeping an eye on him. Because he's really not allowed to touch in anything. Or go in certain rooms. Like, Jesus, I'm going to let you into my life, but don't mess with my schedule. I already give you an hour and 20 minutes on Sunday morning. Jesus, I'm going to let you into my house, but don't screw up my plans. This is what I want to do in five days, five months, five years. This is my retirement plan. Like God's like, you're not going to live past 45. That was funnier in my brain. We're going to let, we're going to let God into our house. We're like, don't invade my personal life. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be that churchy person talking about that faith at work. Because... Those worlds don't collide. Jesus, I'm going to let you into my life, but don't, don't, shake, don't make me change my lifestyle. I like who I am. I like what I do when I do it. Jesus, I'm going to let you into my life, but don't highlight my bad habits. Don't draw attention to my sinfulness. And despite all the HGTV and the this old house and the Bob Vila and all that stuff, 
all the DIY shows with Jonathan and Drew Scott and Chip and Joanna Gaines, all the fun stuff we like to watch, it has lost our brains that Jesus is the best interior designer that there has ever been. Now, I would let Jonathan or Drew Scott renovate my house in a second. But I wouldn't trust them with this. Jesus is coming into our lives today. And he's saying, he's walking in the door. If we've let him in that far, he's walking in the door. You know what he's saying? Oh no, girlfriend. This does not belong here. And this sin, you're still doing this? Ugh, that's so 2004. You're not over that yet? Like, let me help you get rid of that. Or he's coming into your life and be like, bro, you call this a man cave? What's with all the beer memorabilia? Don't you know that being a man involves so much more than how much you drink? Put on a pair and grow up. Or he's walking into your life and saying, hello, what is this doing here? My son knows, if you say that's trash, you know what he does? Ew. And he goes and, he goes and throws it away. He's good at that. He's, ew. What is this problem doing in your life? Your toilet has been backed up for years with bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred and jealousy or an unrighteous lifestyle. Why don't you let me take care of that for you? Because that is disgusting. And today, you know what? You have to decide if you're going to let Jesus be your interior designer or not. I can't make that choice for you. That's got to be your choice. Revelation chapter 3. Fun book, Revelation. Jesus is talking to these churches and essentially these letters are to churches in the future and in the past. Pretty cool. Anyway, to the church in Laodicea. Jesus, his words of Jesus, we're going to pick up here in verse 14. The angel of the church in Laodicea, right? The words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Like, okay, whatever. Here we go, verse 15. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you be either cold or hot. Like, choose one. But because you're lukewarm and not hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I don't need anything in my life. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And we have to be hot or cold. Here's that or again. You're like, oh, well, I like and. I like and a lot better. There's no and here. Hot or cold. Lukewarm gets bleh, spit out. And this message is one of seven addressed to different churches. And this city of Laodicea, it, it, it rests on the hills just south of the Lycus River Valley, opposite the city of Heropolis on the north side, if you don't know this. The Lycus River Valley, it, it offers fertile soil to support a large agrarian population at the time. They're growing lots of crops and things. And they probably, over 150,000 people lived there. Had all the trimmings of a, of a boom town in the Roman period with giant bathhouses, stadium and theater. All the shopping, all the cool stuff to do. And the city was wealthy. Multiple industries fueled economic prosperity. So the textile industries are making blankets and weaving and all this kind of cool, cool stuff. Bought significant revenue from black wool products. Weaved so finely that they say that they were waterproof. The commercial activity had made local banking centers noteworthy. And a noted medical school produced eye ointment from local stone in the region. Doctors would shave off the outer layers of these rocks and they would grind them into a fine dust and then submerge them into the mineral waters that were around there rich in calcium carbonate. And the resulting eye ointment would then be applied to the outside of the eyes to help clear up infection. 
So Laodicea was like an economic powerhouse. And what Jesus has said, if you picked up on it, da, 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 and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. They see what they want to see. They think everything's going great. And Jesus is like, um, no, I'm going to really help you see. How many people did he help see in the New Testament? We actually don't even know. Because everything's not written down. But he helped a bunch of people see. And one of my favorite stories, he took some mud, right? And he spits on it, or dirt, and spits on it, makes mud, and puts it on this guy's eyes, and then the guy can see. And that's kind of what he's saying here in this story. He's like, you're making all this eye ointment, but you can't see a darn thing. Let me help you with that. The city was very wealthy, but they had a water problem. See, the large population and extensive textile industry in Laodicea required a lot of water. And three major cities around the valley, Laodicea, Colossae, and Hierapolis, all had very distinct water sources. Laodicea piped the water from the mountains to the south. And after six miles in an aqueduct, the water arrived lukewarm and gritty with that calcium carbonate stuff we talked about. Colossae was tucked into the foot of Mount Honaz, where cold mountain water runoff poured down to supply the city with fresh water. Fresh, nice, cool, cold, crisp Refreshing. Hierapolis was positioned on a magnificent, magnificent hot springs, right? That emitted mineral-rich waters, attracting visitors from all over Asia to its therapeutic hot baths. You got one city here, cold, crisp, cool, sparkling water. Ah, and one city over here, hot springs, bath. Oh, it's awesome. Permanent sauna. And then the city in the middle. You've got this water being piped in from six miles away through this aqueduct. It's gritty. It's not cold, and it's not warm. This is the situation we find ourselves in. You can't be lukewarm for Christ. If you're really going to let your life be renovated by Jesus, then you've got to let Him be the interior designer He is and, and give Him control and freedom in your life. See, the world is filling up with lukewarm Christians who think it's okay to personally and privately just manage their sin while then trying to publicly profess a Savior. Maybe it's because we're either too afraid to admit to ourselves that our lives are in fact in desperate need of renovation. And we're scared to look in that mirror. Or maybe it's because we're too afraid to admit to others that Jesus can, or already has, actually totally turned our lives around. And it's worth talking about. To everyone. It's almost like every single one of us is Superman. I was talking with Mike Avento earlier, he likes Superman. I told him I was going to mention it. It's almost like every single one of you is Superman. Who carries around some kryptonite in your back pocket. Because you're too afraid to let the thing that's actually killing you go. Because change is hard and what's hard simply can't be good for you, right? Maybe because we're too afraid to leave it behind. Bye, kryptonite. Remnants of my last world. We're holding on to it. Killing us. Because we're too afraid to actually have a life that can be transformed by the sun. Because you know what that level of renovated life would mean? It would mean that, uh, huh, let's say this. It'd mean that you didn't have everything figured out. It would mean that you weren't already perfect or good on your own. No, I got this, I'm good. No, you're not. It would mean that acceptance by the world wasn't enough. That level of a renovated life would mean that all the money you had made didn't satisfy you. That the bigger house or better car didn't solve the problem in your soul. That that level of a renovated life would mean that, that the boyfriend or the girlfriend you poured your heart into wasn't the right place for your affection. That the addiction really did have that much power over your life. And that you, in fact, were in desperate need of being saved. I've been wearing this belt this whole time. It's been fun. getting a little heavy. It's time to put a few things to, to use because if renovation is actually happening in your life, you can't hide it. It's noisy. Doing the renovations here. Preston got this drywall gun. 
And then he'd call Screwboy, which is Mike Avento, to bring in more screws. So he'd go, and all these, none of this was here. We were taking down the walls and the lobby and all that kind of stuff. We got pictures to prove it. Well, that's coming up, coming up in November. I'm excited. But a year ago at this time, compressors and nail guns and stuff, miter saws and table saws. It's loud. And if you are ever doing a renovation, your neighbors know it. And if your neighbors are ever doing a renovation, you know it. Because it's loud. There's hammers and compressors and all these tools going around. And Jesus has wanted to come into our lives again today and renovate us from the inside out. To have us take a good hard look in the mirror, to take out all of our bad plumbing, all the things that are gross and need changing, like now. To knock down our walls, to remove the mold that's growing from within, because if he doesn't, it can ruin our whole house. And I think you and I have forgotten the sound of renovation. You know what the sound of renovation is? We have forgotten the sound of renovation. You want to know what renovation sounds like? I don't know about you, when I hear those sounds, my brain goes back 2,000 years. We do it on a cross. Died. So that your and my life could look different. You've forgotten the sound of renovation. As nails went into his wrists, his feet. Jesus was broken by these sounds on a cross so that these same sounds of renovation for you and I could mean new life. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And do you know why Jesus paid that price? Why did Jesus pay that price for you? Because He loves you. Loves you so much to die for you so that your life could be renovated from the inside out. We've forgotten the sound of what renovation should should be like in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 3 says, You show that you are a letter from Christ. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone. That's so Old Testament. We're going to do a new thing. And we're going to write it on the tablets of human hearts. Your life. My life. Renovation and progress. Pardon my dust. Every bathroom is unique. The gross, sinful, disgusting, nasty things that you need to let Jesus flush out of your life are going to be different for every single person. The beauty of the Holy Spirit is that He's calling out something in your life right now that you know He's telling you, you need to let me renovate this. can't do this anymore. This problem, this sin, this distraction... This lifestyle, this choice, this habit, this addiction, it ends today. Because the sound of renovation should be ringing in our ears, exploding out of our hearts. 
Because there's someone out there who needs a neighbor. Says, are you doing some work? They're walking around, school, work. You're just walking around. You know what they hear? Because you're going to look different. Your life is going to be different. You're going to make different choices. Because you're letting Jesus be the interior designer he set out to be in your life. This is all just fun stuff, man. Tape measures and tools and wrenches and things. And here matters. My prayer for each one of us today is that you leave here letting Him have control. Surrendering your life to the things that He's calling out that need to change. And you already know it. You may have known it for a long time. But it ends today. Because what do you do in a bathroom? What do you actually do in a bathroom? You get clean. The bad stuff on the inside goes away. The dirt from the outside goes away. And every time you leave a bathroom, your goal is to leave cleaner. And that's us today. Let God clean out your life. I want to invite the band up as we pray. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here from True Life Church, and I just want to thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope God is doing some things in your life because of it. And if there's someone in your life that you know, maybe it's a friend or family member who could use some encouragement, I will invite you to share this podcast with them or to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at 2190 Sarno Road, or you can visit our website at truelifemelbourne.com to find out some more information. I hope you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from Zach Dias. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelife.com. You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from Travis Dixon. You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from Brandon Basista. You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from Ben Bowman. You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from one of our favorite guest speakers. You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. 
To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from Lance Williams. <laughs> 